This is episode number 86 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, it's Jesse here. A time-sensitive note that I don't want you to miss before we get into today's show. My online course for fitness and health professionals called the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy is reopening for enrollment on Monday, September 30th for one week only. This is the last class we'll be taking until spring 2020. As hired health practitioners, it's our job to give women a modern, holistic, evidence-based approach to postnatal care that addresses their physical, emotional, and mental needs. And together, through the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy, we are working to change the experience for all moms that they have post-pregnancy. If you are a fitness, exercise, or adjacent health practitioner who is working with moms, or if you have a passion for supporting postpartum people, be sure to get the details on this class of the Academy. The waitlist is available to join, so you don't miss any details when registration does launch. Plus, by being on the waitlist, you will get access to a private discount, and you'll ensure you get a spot in this class, as we will be limited in the number of students we can take on. I am on a mission to train postnatal specialists who can give women and postpartum people the kind of holistic care that they so desperately need. If you are a coach, trainer, or practitioner who is committed to learning and continually doing better for the postpartum populations you serve, then please join us in the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy. The link to the waitlist will be in the show notes of today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome on to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. I'm so excited that we get to talk face-to-face like this especially after last week when we got to meet in person for the first time ever. I know. I think a lot of people were surprised that it's like, no, I mean, we've seen met face-to-face over Skype and Zoom and all this and social media, but never in person. So that was really awesome. It was so fun. So this was at Postnatal Fitness Specialist Live in Toronto, which I was hosting a workshop. And then we were so lucky to have Anita speaking at it, doing a session on pelvic floor anatomy, pelvic health, your role as a physio. So that was so cool. And I know I've said it a million times, but I just can't wait till we can do it together again and again all over the world. (laughs) Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be so much fun. And it was such a great group of like health and fitness pros. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
It was the best. So what we're going to be talking about today, coaching postpartum people, is directly from a session that we covered at that workshop in Toronto. So this is going to be super pertinent to you if you are a fitness or health professional who is working with postpartum people or wants to be working with them. But also if you are a mom, if you identify as postpartum, and you want to hire a coach or a fitness or exercise professional, you want to work with a physiotherapist or another health practitioner, this will be such good information for you to pay attention to and knowing what you're looking for in a coach or a practitioner and knowing that these are the things that we think are really important for fitness and health professionals to be educated on and asking you questions about knowing that this is a program or a treatment plan that is really designed with the whole person in mind. So we're going to talk about coaching, postpartum people. We have five different categories to talk about. And the first one that I think is so key for again, we're going to direct this at the fitness and health professional. So if you are in that category, pay attention. This will all be in the show notes as well too. But these are the things that we think are so key if you are a professional working with postpartum people to be taking the best care possible of those people in such a major transition time of their lives. So number one, what do we need to even consider when, <clears throat> when coaching treating or working with postpartum people. We had such a good conversation about this again at that Toronto workshop. There is so, so much that we do need to be considering in terms of someone's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, really looking at this from a wide lens. So I asked this question to our workshop participants and they said a whole range of things. Uh, including considering someone's stress levels, and that could be their in their personal world or their professional life, looking at the amount of sleep someone might be getting at night or if they're able to sleep during the day as well. I like to ask my clients, especially if they're earlier postpartum, how much sleep they're getting in a 24-hour period. I think that that can be useful because sometimes nighttime sleep will be very low. Sometimes they might be able to get a couple hours during the day. We're looking at life demands that someone does have at home. Are they doing a lot of the parenting, a lot of the household tasks? What does that look like? Do they have a partner at home? Are the tasks divided equally? Is someone taking on much more than the other person? And then again, what does that relationship perhaps look like with their partner who they might be parenting with or a relationship with a partner who they are not parenting with? What else are your patients saying to you or what else are you considering for them? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely in terms of uh, postpartum, kind of the first visit postpartum when I see them, I do, I offer them space to kind of debrief or go through their birth experience if that's something they want to share um, for so many different reasons. So a lot of times it can be even their first time going through that or kind of uh, you know, speaking that out in words, and that can, you know, really help in terms of the mental and emotional healing involved with birth, maybe things they weren't aware were affecting them, you know, how their birth went, um, and the support they had. And then it also gives insight into uh, potential compromises in terms of the physical healing. So understanding 
Was there tearing, episiotomy, interventions like forceps vacuum? Did they have a cesarean birth? So there's the physical side, um, which I think as health and fitness professionals, we can get really focused on, but to know that it is so important to understand the mental and emotional side of their birth experience, because that can actually affect their physical healing as well. So along with a lot of things you mentioned, I would say that would be um, a key component. And then, you know, what, what movement or exercise have they done or feel they should have done um, what they want to be doing? So understanding kind of their goals, but also realistically, like it, it can be a huge wake up postpartum when you're like, oh, I thought I would be doing this and this by now. And they realize they're not because of a lot of the things you already mentioned. So I think understanding goals, expectations, and kind of going through that with them now that they're actually in that postpartum period. Yeah, so key. I love that you mentioned listening to someone's birth experience, if that is something they want to share. So powerful to have those details. Like you said, from a physical standpoint, especially as your work as a pelvic physio, also on my side, as a fitness coach, understanding perhaps the physical trauma someone might have endured through that labor, through that birth. Something that we might not think about as much, but we should be, is perhaps the person's race. And that can play into that birth experience so intimately as well. We know that women of color, particularly Black women, have poor poorer birthing experiences and we'll put this in the show notes but we did an episode on this with Takara Ganey talking about black maternal health so this is something that we also need to be educated and aware on and then simple things like number of kids that they have at home is this first baby are there three other kids at home that will impact again the other life stuff that we've been talking about the stress and the sleep And then again, what that support system does look like that they have at home or in their life in some capacity. So this is, there's so much to be considering when a postpartum person comes into our business or our practice. It is not only their specific goal, which we're going to talk about next, but we need to put their goals in context about what the rest of their life even looks like. So that was kind of section number one. What are we considering with the postpartum person really wrapping up their physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health? I don't know if we touched on it, but just one more aspect of their mental health. Are they having any symptoms or um, experiences of postpartum depression, anxiety, or PTSD? And that might come up in their birth story um, as they're explaining that to you. So the second thing we want to talk about, what are our postpartum clients or patients coming to you as the practitioner for? What are their goals? Why do they want to hire you? Why do they want to come into your practice? What does that typically tend to be for you, Anita? Yeah, for me, there can be a couple things. So typically it can be, again, pelvic floor symptoms, whether leaking urine with coughing, sneezing, exercise. They might be feeling pressure, or if they've heard of pelvic organ prolapse, they might be wondering if that's what they're experiencing. Um, Pain is often a big thing, so whether it's back pain, hip pain, pelvic pain. Um, And depending where they are postpartum, if they have had intercourse or any sort of penetration or started using tampons or anything like that, um, 
if they've experienced pain with anything penetrating, um, that they may have been told that could be a sign the pelvic floor might be affected. So a lot of those are the reasons they're coming in. And then also getting back to exercise, if they do have symptoms, they're concerned about going back to exercise, or maybe they've already started exercise and they have these symptoms and they're really concerned they're not going to go away. How can these be, you know, improved, reduced, you know, how are they going to deal with it? So those would be the key things why people are kind of coming to me as a, a physio. How about you, Jess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely all of that stuff really resonating with the last one. People who might be experiencing pelvic floor symptoms, wanting to return back to exercise or wanting to ramp up their exercise intensity and wanting to do that in a way that is really appropriate for their body and doesn't worsen their symptoms. I This doesn't happen in my business as much anymore, but it absolutely still is a thread of conversation that people are coming. They want to start exercising because they want to change their body in some way. So we know with postpartum that there can be just a lot of discomfort and we will get to that down the line of this episode a little bit more. A lot of discomfort in your body being this way, whatever that is for a person. But for a lot of postpartum people, that can be in a bigger body, a body with more fat, a body that feels squishy, less muscular. So people are feeling discomfort, some urgency to change their body. They want to lose weight. They want to lose fat. Again, this isn't so much what I am designing programs for, but it is absolutely the conversations that we have. And we see a lot of the postnatal fitness industry as programming to fix people's bodies, to lose weight, to get smaller, to shrink. So absolutely, that can be something that comes up for a lot of people. So I as say, we, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one more thing um, that people, I mentioned pelvic floor symptoms, um, but something we didn't, it kind of, it kind of mixes the core pelvic floor and the body image is also diastasis. So we'll probably touch on that a little bit more, but that is probably one of the, the most common things that people are coming to see me for. I think there's a lot of a lot more information out there, even since my daughter was born like three years ago, and I'm sure with you, Steel, or when you had Steel, like there's just so much about diastasis, not necessarily accurate information. There's a lot of fearful information. So we're really working on, you know, increasing more accurate information, I guess, around uh, diastasis and recovery and, and what that looks like. Yes, such a biggie. Okay, cool. So we have an idea of who this person is, what their life looks like. We know their goals. Why are they coming to us? But then I think that the third point we want to make here that is so important for us as the professional to understand and for our client or patient to even understand the why behind that goal that they might have. So why is this thing even important to them? Why is healing their diastasis a thing that they want to do? What does it mean to them? What does it feel like for them? How do they think that it's going to change them or their life or their experience of their body or their life in some way? So I think that this is, this is deeper layered conversation. There is so much underneath this, including Again, as you just mentioned, a lot of body image um, layers that happen here. A lot of, <laughs> we could go so many, so many ways on this, but a lot of patriarchal 
white supremacist, misogynistic ideas that are behind these goals too, especially a lot that do have to do with bellies and pelvic floors and sex and body image and the aesthetics of a body postpartum. Let's keep this a little bit more basic for right now. But for your patients, say who you have someone who is leaking, maybe they're experiencing stress urinary incontinence. Why would that be important to them to want to reduce it, fix it, end it? Yeah. And again, with that, there can be so many different layers. Um, but some of the key things of a lot of moms, I mean, one of the most common things is jumping on the trampoline with their kid without leaking. Um, and I think it's one of those things is, again, gearing it back to why is it important to them. For, so for some, it's that they want to be able to play with their kids now and for years to come without having symptoms of anything, whether it's leaking or pain. Um, for others, it could be, uh, for example, let's say they want to get back to something like CrossFit, which is a very social class environment. Um, and if they're experiencing this, they may feel embarrassed that they can't do things in that environment, which then decreases their uh, kind of social network, their social circle, which then can lead to other things down the road too, in terms of how they feel mentally and emotionally. So yes, there can be a physical symptom, but I totally agree uh, about going deeper of the why, like why is this important to whether they, they say they want to fix it or heal it or, you know, however they term it um, to, to really find out why, because generally it goes beyond kind of the physical symptom itself. Yeah, that's so important. I really love that example too of the person who might feel like they can't go back to their exercise class. They can't go to boot camp. They can't go to CrossFit anymore because they're having these symptoms that are popping up for them. And it might be embarrassing or feel shameful to them that they are leaking or they're afraid that this workout, like they see the exercises for that day and they don't want to go because they know they're going to leak on this thing. And that's embarrassing for them. And like you said, then we're removing them from this activity that they really enjoy from their social environment. And that is the last thing we do need to do or want to do for moms or postpartum people who can feel so lonely in their life already. So I love that. Let's move on to the fourth point, which two layers to this one. Number one, what privileges does this person have afforded to them? And on the flip side, what layers of marginalization or oppression is this person impacted by? We had such good conversations around this at Postnatal Fitness Specialist Live in Toronto last weekend. So this is such a big topic as well. We're just going to talk about it briefly. There's so many angles, again, that we could go on this. The first example of a privilege, or perhaps this could be um, uh, an oppression of some sort that someone has is their class. The example that I gave at that workshop was in terms of someone's class, does this person have the financial ability to be able to afford your services long term? Or are they going to be able to work with you for one or two sessions and that's it? That might change the direction that we choose to work with someone in those two sessions or we know we're going to have six months or a year with them instead. So that could be a privilege. Their class could be a privilege and that will likely impact their postpartum 
experience. And I think that this is the common thread that we talked about again so much at the workshop in Toronto was just noticing all the layers of privilege that can exist for a person and how that does impact someone's postpartum healing, their recovery, their experience of motherhood. And as the fitness and health professional, we need to be recognizing that. So that class privilege, again, that simple example of, is someone gonna be able to come for one session? Are they gonna be able to come for 10 or 20 sessions? Do they have a lot of financial stress in their life at home? Are they taking a parental leave of some sort? And all this stuff, how, if we're thinking of marginalization or oppression, how is that affecting them? How are those stressors affecting them? And in turn, what impact is that having on their health? And we know that that, again, is so tied to someone's experience of their pelvic health, too. One other example I want to give here is someone's abilities that they come to us with. Are they an able-bodied person? Do they have some type of disability? And that could be physical or mental. What I've been thinking so much about is how in the fitness industry and increasingly in the prenatal and postnatal side of the fitness industry, we congratulate the doing so much. And I get this, and this happens again throughout the fitness industry because it is built on ableism to many degrees. We congratulate the doers, the people who can do the hard exercises, the tough exercises, the postpartum people who can get back to all the hard, fun exercise again. We congratulate that a lot. And what about the people who really are not able to, at this point or maybe ever, to get back to all the exercise that they want to do. How can we best support those people too? And I just think this is so important if you especially are a group fitness instructor of some kind, just notice the praise you are giving in classes to people who are doing, say, those harder variations of exercises and then how you are coaching the people who are choosing perhaps the more regressed version of the exercise. Are we, creating, are we creating an environment there where we are only congratulating the hard, intense stuff? That will absolutely impact how a person feels in our space and in our coaching. We could talk about so many things. I said that was the last one, but I want to talk about one more. Body size. This is so, so important too. We, have, we know that thin privilege is a real, true thing. We have biases against people who are in bigger, larger, fatter bodies. We have biases on people who are living in thinner bodies. And this, the main point that I want to make here is that this is on us as the coach, the practitioner, to examine our own biases and what we believe about those who are in thinner bodies, those who are in larger bodies, fatter bodies. What do we believe? about them. What do we believe about a fitness client who walks into the gym who is in a fatter body? What are our assumptions? And this is going to relate to health professionals across the board. So check your own stuff here. 
So basically wrapping up this point, what privileges does this person have afforded to them? And on the flip side, what layers of marginalization or oppression is this person impacted by? Because both of these things will affect how someone experiences us as the coach and their experience in their body and their life too. The very last point we want to make here in this episode today, number five, helping women in our businesses and considering the whiteness of our feminism. So this is something that I have always claimed to do in my business, that I was a feminist. My job was to support women and help women. And over the last three to five years, I really realized how limited this was, in what a limited way I was doing this. Some questions to consider for yourself. What women are you helping in your business? Who are you speaking to? Who are you treating in your business? And what women are you leaving out? Who are you excluding? So the realizations I had was that my, the women I was helping were mostly highly privileged, thin white women. So my feminism that I was suggesting I was living and uh, supporting was very white. So my feminism was not intersectional. I was not interested and I was not doing the helping for so many groups of women, for women of different body sizes, of different gender identities, different races. Really, I was speaking to and helping thin white women. How has this shown up for you in your life, in your business? Yeah, I feel like everything you've talked about is, well, since we've been, you know, doing the podcast, I've definitely learned a lot from you and a lot of our guests. And this is something that I've been looking into myself as well and realizing that it's very, very similar to what you were speaking to as well. Um, And need to continue working on it, continue making changes. Um, and so, yeah, I'm so grateful that this is, has brought it to light and that is not an excuse um, of why that has happened, that we, we as white privileged middle-class women, we need to do the work with that. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just read this quote here from Kimberly Crenshaw, who is, <clears throat> who is the who is a black woman that really has um, defined this idea of intersectional feminism she said because the intersectional experience is greater than the sum of racism and sexism any analysis that does not take intersectionality into account cannot sufficiently address the particular and manner the particular manner in which black women are subordinated so what we are, what Kimberly is saying here in this quote and what we want to sum up with today is questioning if our feminism, if our empowering of women, if our supporting women is really supporting all women or only certain groups. Are we centering Black women, women of color, or are we only centering white women? 
And when we can say intersectional feminism, we're not only talking about the race of a person, however, the race is so key. But again, this can also relate to other intersections the person might identify with. And that could be, again, body size, gender, class, things of this nature. So wrapping it up here today, coaching the postpartum person so much as health professionals that we have a responsibility to educate ourselves on not only the particular health field that we might have our professional training in. So what do we need to consider when coaching, treating, or working with postpartum people? What are your postpartum people coming to you for? What are their goals? And then really uncovering what the why is underneath those goals. Think about the privileges or layers of marginalization that a person is impacted by, and then take a look at your own feminism. If that is something that you're suggesting you have as a value in your business and in your life, and is it intersectional or is it quite white? We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 